Tamarie Itifano. Good morning, family. How's everyone going? Excellent. All right, so we are in. Uh, did I say First Corinthians fifteen? Thought I did. Verse ten. That's good. I'm glad I said that. I'm talking about grace and peace. Last week I started into this topic, um, and if you've been around church for a while, you'll you'll know that it is something uh, that generally I say every service at the at the end is a blessing as a, bed, a benediction. Um, if you want to use an old word, an ancient word from uh, Christian tradition of benediction, which is really a blessing that someone declares over you at the end of a gathering um, like this. And uh, my one is really short because there's only three words, and it's grace and peace. And the reason, reason I say that, is, as I introduced last week, is when you read the Scriptures, particularly the New Testament, Paul always starts his letters with some sort of a declaration of grace and peace over the people who were reading that letter. And, and when I think about that, I think Paul was, was a man who had an understanding of faith and an understanding of God that I'm still att- trying to attain in terms of my own personal relationship and understanding of God, I think he had revelation way beyond where I'm at. And if he felt that grace and peace was that important that he started all his letters with it, then I think maybe that's part of me learning and growing in my understanding of God. And so um, I want to I talk about, I want to continue that this morning. And just to briefly uh, reiterate some things, grace is a, in the New Testament is a, um, is a Greek word, and it it is charis is the word which can be translated, well, it comes from a root word meaning rejoice, the idea that, um, that there's rejoicing, but it literally is translated charis is gift. How many of you rejoice when you get a gift? Some of you don't because the gift isn't quite what you wanted, uh, and so it gets re-gifted, and someone else gets to rejoice on your behalf uh, for that gift, but... Um, one of the things I taught, we tried to teach our kids was if you receive a great gift, at least be grateful for the gift, even if you don't like it, um, and, and then you might get some more gifts, yeah? Because everyone loves someone who, when they receive something, they're thankful and rejoice for it, yeah? It makes you as a giver feel, uh, feel like... Your time, your energy, maybe your, the thought that you went into it is actually valued when someone says thank you or rejoices. So there's this idea of rejoicing and giving that, that flows together. You know, Paul talks about the idea that people who give, that God loves people who are cheerful in their giving process. And, and so that's a receiving and a giving process that we're rejoicing because that's the understanding of what grace was. It was deeply connected to the idea of rejoicing. It was deeply connected to the idea of a gift that you got given even though you did not deserve it. In fact, often that word is translated as joy, pleasure, gratification, favor, acceptance. It's favor done to us without expectation of return. It's this idea, as um, a Greek philosopher and theologian wrote, I'm not going to say his name again, I said it last week, and I'd practiced it quite a few times to get it right, but his first name is Spyro. It's cool. His last one starts with Z. Um, And and he said that it's the absolutely free expression of the love of God, finding its only motive in the bounty and benevolence of God. 
Mate, if, if you want to spend some time digging into what grace is like and what it means, there's something that has a lot of words. But it really what it says is that God is so good, you and I can't comprehend it. And that's what grace is. See, I want to I want to unpack a little bit more of that this morning, that grace is this gift that God has given us. It's a flow that comes from God that you and I can step into. We can step into grace and we can enjoy the flow of it in our lives. This free expression of the love of God and his his gift towards us that we can step into and it becomes a source of all things in our lives. One of the things I learned um, in my journey was I came across a really cool definition um, uh, that Bruce Monk, who was uh, at that stage was the apostolic leader of our movement, and he gave us this definition of grace. So this is right to the end of your slides, um, David. And, it, and the definition is uh, God's empowering presence that enables you to be who he's called you to be and do what he's called you to do. This idea that grace is a gift that flows through our lives, that when we step into it, he empowers us to be the people he's called us to be and to do what he's called us to do. It's the fact that we need to live in this flow of grace, not in this flow of striving, not in this flow of effort, not in this flow of law of saying these are the things I've got to do to please God, but to step into this unmerited favor and allow it to flow through our lives and empower us to be the people that God's called us to be. You know, I absolutely believe that when we can step into grace, that we live better lives because of that. Because we live free. We live understanding what God's unmerited favor is to us. He wants us to live in that environment. Here we go. First Corinthians chapter 15. I told you to go here um, in verse 10. And it says there, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. There's this idea for Paul that he understood that he is, he was who he was, who he was as a as an apostle, as a leader in the church, was because of the grace of God. Just prior to that, he's given a bit of an outline of, of the stuff that he got up to, that he was involved with persecuting the church, and he was involved with killing believers and all of that. And then he says, but I stepped into the flow of the grace of God, and I am now who I am now. And it's not because of anything I did. In fact, I didn't deserve a thing of it. I stepped into this flow, and I became someone that God enabled me to be. Yeah? And he says, I didn't. I then worked hard. The grace empowered me to work. But it wasn't my effort. It was God's effort flowing through me. Yeah? He worked hard. This idea that grace is this flow that you and I can stand and step into. The second word is this idea of peace. Which in the Greek is irene. And it means harmony and every kind of good. In the Old Testament, it's a Hebrew word that means shalom, which was this idea of wholeness in every part of your life, that everything was complete, that God gives us his peace and it brings completeness to us. It brings harmony to us. There's this idea that, um, that I love is this, this feeling 
that you can have internally where everything is in harmony. I liken it to the idea if you've ever um, if you've ever stood by a lake when there's absolutely no breeze and it's glassy smooth. I've seen this uh, a number of occasions at Lake Taupo and uh, in Queenstown and, and Wakatipu, the same thing, and Wanaka as well. You can go to those three lakes and there are times in, of day and night and, and they're perfectly smooth. I love Lake Taupo when it's like that because it's great for water skiing. But you stand and you look out over it and you see this pure reflection of the sky on the water. That's peace, that's smoothness. And if you ever go out on a, um, on a kayak when it's like that, I remember one particular time in the Marlborough Sounds, we had this uh, privilege of being there and walking the, the track uh, through the Marlborough Sounds and going out on a kayak in the early morning and the bay that we were in, which was Endeavour Inlet, I think, um, was just absolutely smooth and we were sitting in the kayak and you're just, it's absolutely smooth and peaceful and there were stingrays on the bottom of the bay that you could see and, you know, that's that idea of harmony, that idea of peace that God gives us. You know, in Scripture there's a, there's a couple of words, um, a couple of verses I just want to look at um, quickly about this idea of peace. Jesus in John 14, and you don't have these, David, on the slides, but John 14, 27, he said this, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I'm leaving you with a gift. Isn't it interesting that both, both grace and peace that flow from God are both gifts? They're not something that you and I can, can work up. It's not something that you and I can strive for. It's something that we receive and we step into. If you want the peace that God gives you, the peace of mind and heart that Jesus promises here, it's not something you can strive for. Actually, when you begin to strive for peace, you create anxiety and worry. And you create a roughness, a lack of harmony, a distortion within you because you're trying to work for something that is not something you work for. It's something you step into and become aware of. And you allow to be part of who you are. Paul puts it this way in Philippians 4 verse 7. He says, and then you will experience. And so he started off, he says, don't worry about anything, but in everything give thanks to God. And then verse 7, it says this, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So there's this idea, this word guard is like a... Um, is, is originally it's this idea of a, a goalkeeper protecting a goal, keeping balls out. So this idea that peace, when you allow, uh, allow yourself to step into grace and peace, there's something that takes place within you that protects your heart and mind from worry and anxiety. If you can allow yourself to live in that, 
then the promise of God in this is if we step into that gift, we step into that flow, it begins to push away worry and anxiety in our lives. When we become aware of the peace of God that he enables us to have through the Holy Spirit. That's why for me, I am so passionately committed to grace and peace because I think if we can step into it, it opens up everything in this world to be who God's called us to be and do what he's called us to do. And it's a way that we can do that without it being something that we're striving and working hard for, but we're allowing God to empower us by his Holy Spirit towards. See, one of the things that I learned growing up in in church was faith was all about doing the right things and working a bit harder. If you're not experiencing all God's got for you, what are you doing wrong? Was the question you often got subtly asked. And I want to turn it on its head and say, actually, you and I don't have to do anything anymore because Jesus has done it all. And we need to step into the the awareness of that and allow that to fully engage us with grace and peace. And out of that will flow, like Paul says, you'll work harder, but that grace and peace will enable results that you will never achieve with your hard work just on your own because it's the grace of God working through you. Mate, I want to have good outcomes. I want to have great things happening in my life that I haven't worked hard for. Anyone else with those? <laughs> My six pack, I don't want to work hard for it. I'm joking. We want things to happen in our lives, right? We want our lives to count. But we don't want to burn ourselves out in the process of making our lives count. We don't want to be left on the rubbish heap of life saying, well, we gave it our best shot. That's not good news. Good news is that if we step into the grace of God that is enabling us, that's been made available to us by Christ Jesus, if we step into that, then the rest of stuff will flow in our lives. The biggest challenge for us is to stay in the flow of grace and peace in our lives. That is the biggest discipline and the biggest challenge for us. And it's why Paul, I think, begins every single one of his letters by declaring over his people grace and peace. Whatever you read in the rest of this letter, may it come through the filter of grace and peace in your life. When you walk out of here, my prayer is that whatever you've experienced here flows through the grace and peace that God has given you and you've stepped into this morning. So I want to cover these three points that I want to say. About So last week I did two, um, which you'll have to go and listen to. I don't have time to run through those two again. But I've got three points that when we allow grace and peace, if we step into grace and peace, this is some of the results that happen. The first one is Romans 8 verse 1. Romans 8 verse 1. Most of you will know this probably off by heart, but Romans 8 verse 1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, I think grace and peace interrupts condemnation in our lives. See, often we get ourselves into these positions where we beat up on ourselves through our thoughts, through our language, 
we allow condemnation to come. And that can express itself through a whole range of things. And I think for us as a community of faith, one of our challenges, if we're to flow in grace and peace, is that we interrupt condemnation over each other's lives and over our own. So you often hear people say things. And they just say things like, oh, I'm an introvert. I don't do that kind of thing. See, what that, what that does is it, it, when you say that, you limit the power of grace and peace in your life. Because grace says the power of Jesus enables you to be all he's called you to be and to do what he's called you to do. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert doesn't matter because you've got grace and peace in your life. And what happens is when you begin to confess what your personality limitations are, I'm saying, I'm not saying that personality and understanding your personality isn't important, but when that begins to limit you from being all that God's called you to be and do what he's called you to do, then that is when condemnation is sitting on you because what is actually happening is the enemy is trying to limit you from being all that God's called you to be. And when I partner with that, when I step into the flow of I'm an introvert, therefore I don't do that, I've actually what I've said is doesn't matter, God, whether you're asking me to step into something that I'm not comfortable with, I'm going to limit myself to what my personality says I'm able to do. Now, grace and peace doesn't do that. Grace and peace says, God, if you're saying, if you're, if you're nudging me towards this, then I'm going to step with the flow of grace because I understand that grace is the empowering presence of God that enables me to do what he's called me to do and be who he's called me to be. It's not my personality that enables me. It's the presence of Jesus in my life by his Holy Spirit that enables me. You know, I hear people say things like, oh, well, you know, that was never, I, you know, I had this kind of a upbringing and therefore I can't do that. That's condemnation. That's not grace and peace. And sometimes we can hear, hear each other saying things. In Kiwi culture, we're so good at this. And I say that in a bad way. We're so good at limiting ourselves and playing ourselves down and devaluing ourselves and what God has given us. And so we don't, you know, more often than not, we don't say things like, you know, I'm really good at that. In fact, if someone says that, often the reaction most Kiwis have in their head is, uh-huh. <laughs> but grace and peace says, well, I can do that because of the power of Jesus in my life. Like, I know, and I can say this here, I know that I'm actually a good public speaker. And that's not, that's not a pride thing. It's just an acknowledgement of what God has graced me with. And, and part of that is me having to have stepped into the grace of God and the peace of God. Because trust me, it is not something that I would naturally choose to do. But because I've allowed the grace and peace of God to empower me, it's now something I'm quite comfortable with. 
Doesn't mean I don't get nervous still and I don't get the shakes. In fact, you probably see, look. I stuck it in my pocket. But I've understood that. See, grace and peace interrupts condemnation. Grace and peace declares over you a better future than what you've experienced in your past. It interrupts where you're going and says there's a better thing. There's more that I've got for you. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Number two, grace and peace highlights the things of the Spirit in our lives. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. 22 particularly, and it says there, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Grace and peace enables you to grow in those things. Grace and peace highlights the fruit of the Spirit in your life. It elevates those. It increases that fruitfulness in your life when you step into the flow of grace and peace. Because grace and peace operates opposite to the law. See, the law says, I've got to do this, this, and this to be accepted. Grace says, you just step into it. It's already there. Acceptance is already there. I just have to accept it and receive it. That's what grace and peace says. Grace and peace releases the Spirit of God in our lives to grow fruit. Just prior to that, it lists off a whole bunch of things that are the fruit of the law. In other words, when you step out of the grace and peace of God, these are the things that will result in your life. I'm not going to highlight those because I think grace and peace highlights these things. And so what that means is that when you and I are living in grace and peace, we highlight those things in each other's lives, not the things that we're struggling with. You with me? See, if grace and peace interrupts condemnation, then it's not our, our place to point out the things that people are struggling with. Because grace and peace doesn't highlight that. Grace and peace highlights the fruit of the Spirit. You with me? All Paul, when he says this in this passage, if you read prior to that, all he's trying to do is highlight and contrast the difference between people who live according to the Spirit this is the things that will be highlighted in your life. And that's what we want to celebrate. We don't want to have anything to do with these things because that's not part of grace and peace. It's not part of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We want to highlight these and celebrate these. See, grace and peace highlights the things of the Spirit. And then Acts 14 verse 26, I want to finish with this one. And this is, this is a story where Luke, the writer of Acts, is talking about Paul and his, uh, his companions, and they're coming back from one of their, uh, their missionary trips. And in verse 26, it says this, From Italia they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. Now, the word there that's translated in this, uh, in, in this particular uh, version, which is the NIV, the word that's translated committed actually means given over. Given over. So there was this idea, if you want to take the negative one, um, Paul talks about, uh, I'm just trying to remember, I think it's in 1 Timothy, 
at the end of First Timothy chapter 1, I think it's probably about verse 15, he says, um, talking about some false teachers, he said he's given them over to Satan. <laughs> See, I, want, I just want to highlight this particular thing, that you and I have the power to give people over to grace and peace, or we have the power to give them over to something else. With what we say, what we declare, what we bless or don't bless. Now, I just want to rest on this for a second because I think we've got to get the weight of this. Luke says about Paul, he says, in the church of Antioch, they he and his team were given over to the grace of God so that they could do the work that God had called them to do. And then it finishes with which they have now completed. I want to put this challenge in front of us as the church. Is the work of God not completed in our lives yet or through the church in this world that we live in because we haven't yet given people over fully to the grace and peace of God. We're still holding people ransom. We're still placing expectations around what this person looks like or what they should be doing. I'm just asking the question because I read this and I go, I want to be given over to the grace of God. And I want my church family to champion me in being committed and being given over to the grace of God in my life. And I'm not sure about you, but I think every human being wants those that are close to them and their family to entrust them, to give them over to the grace of God on their lives, to allow the grace and peace of God to empower them to be all that God's called them to be and do all that he's called them to do. You know, sometimes we have expectations of each other of what we should be like. Are you with me? We do, don't we? Are we honest about that? Let me just, I'll, I'll put it this way. There are expectations that exist of what a pastor should be. I know one of the biggest battles, and I'll speak on behalf of my wife, one of the biggest battles that sometimes we have had is dealing with, and part of it is our own internal thing, I get that, but it's also the expectations of the church around what a pastor and what a pastor's, quotes wife should be like and should do. And I want to, and, and the same thing for, you know, when you've got people that are in any role within the church, these, we all have expectations of what that looks like. Most of that is because maybe that's what we experienced with our pastor when we were younger. Maybe it's just what we want and what our preference is. And all of those are valid, but what I'm challenging is 
that when the grace and peace of God is flowing through us as a church, we have got to give each other over to allow God to empower us to be the people that God's called us to be. And sometimes that actually means I've got to remove my preferences and my expectations, and I've actually got to build relationship with this person to understand where their heart is at so that I can give them over to the grace of God that's being expressed in their heart. Does that make sense? Now, the reason we don't like to do that is because actually building those kinds of relationships takes time. And most of us are busy. We have enough trouble managing our own lives without building a relationship with someone else. But I want to say to you, and I want to challenge us, if grace and peace is flowing in the church, relationship with each other, with others where we are giving each over and encouraging each other and interrupting condemnation requires relationship. It requires time. You know, and I think one of the challenges for the church in the 21st century is that we give time again to relationships and our family. Because grace, for grace and peace to flow more in my life, I need people around me who are championing me and who are going, yes, come on. Let's see the grace of God express itself through your life. We have to see that because we need to be the body. And we need you. And we need you. And we need you. And we need each one of us functioning fully in the grace of God, being given over to the grace of God in our lives. Maybe it's time for a shift. Who are you giving over? To the grace of God. See, I can imagine if I looked at this, um, I've gone way over time, but I'm just, it's, I want to land. <laughs> this, there's something in me that just about this one. I can imagine the church of Antioch, when they gave Paul and his team over to the grace of God, they had clear expectations of what that could look like. I'm sure they had KPIs written down. <laughs> If you don't know what that is, it stands for key performance indicators. And in a business, you have those if you want to grow. Well, apparently you do. You have to have KPIs, and then you get measured against your KPIs. And then if you've achieved them all, you, you'll get a bonus or some sort of a thing at the end of it or a nice gold watch. Whatever. I look at that and I go, the Church of Antioch, they gave them over to the grace of God. Without This was new, just got to remember, this was the first time any sort of missionary team had gone out like this. And the only option they had was to give them over to the grace of God because they really didn't know what this was going to look like. Maybe that's still the way we should be operating. That actually we have enough faith in the God who created the heavens and the earth and holds it all together that he can handle each of us. And he can handle whatever comes our way as long as we're in the flow of grace and peace. 
The moment we step out of it and try to control ourselves or control other people and what happens around us, we lose the freedom that God intends us to live in. Does that make sense? See, for me, grace and peace, if we can get it in our hearts, what could God do? I think if we can, then I think he's free to do what he's promised he'll do, which is beyond our imagination. Because he's immeasurably better. He's immeasurably more than you can I, you and I can ask, think, or imagine. And the only way to allow that to happen is when we allow the flow of grace and peace in our lives and in each other's lives. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I thank you that, Jesus, you've given us a gift, a gift of grace, a gift of peace, and that both of those exceed what we can understand with our own human minds. Because they're accessed through your spirit in our lives. And so, Father, I ask for every person in this place today that, Holy Spirit, you would speak into each of our hearts. And you would declare grace and peace. Lord, if there's areas where we're struggling, where maybe we're burnt out on on striving to be someone. God, that you would speak grace into that. And you would declare peace over those areas of our heart that are rough, that are out of alignment, that are, that are lacking harmony, that are not experiencing every kind of good, that you would declare peace be still. God, because we want to be a people who live empowered by your presence in our lives so that we can be all that you've created us to be. And do what you've called us to do. God, we acknowledge again that we need you. We know that grace, (laughs) that you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. And so God, we just acknowledge our need. That we need you, Holy Spirit, in our lives this morning afresh. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.